Welcome to Two Guys, One Book, where two friends tackle their reading list one book at a time. Welcome back to Two Guys, One Book. I am Brian, and I am joined, as always, by my buddy, Tim. Tim. Hi, Tim. How you doing? Hey, good. How are you? Good. Today, we will be talking about Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates. This is a book that I picked, Brian. It's a Brian certified fresh pick. And um, it was a short, quick read. So I'm sure Tim made Tim very happy. Right, Tim? <laughs> Love the short books. <laughs> yes, keep them, <laughs> keep them coming, Brian. Um, I, can't, yeah. I can't promise you that, but um, I'll do what I can. No, it's good to have some variety, I will say. But let me ask, why did you pick this book? I picked this book because I have heard Tom Ahisi Coates talk about race in America and just throughout the years. And I feel like he's a very, um, he's got a very uh, good perspective on things that I, um, that is nuanced and, and critical of America, yet at the same time, you know, uh, I don't know, accepting it, America for its warts and all, but saying it could always be better. And, and I just feel like this is the book that kind of launched him to, to prominence. So I figured it's worth checking out. And it was short. So I'm like, hey. A win-win. Did you hear about him through like NPR, through like a podcast or something, or how did you originally? That's a him? good question. I mean, I heard about this book when it was released and gained more gained uh, notoriety, and then um, I didn't read it at the time, but I I heard like this 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 guy with this funny name is getting more attention now. I think it was like he was. Uh, uh, guest speaker on PBS NewsHour or NPR or some, something like that, where I heard him speak about race in America or something like that. And I, and I always felt like he had good insights that made me, that helped me learn more about the black experience in America and helped me open up my worldview to recognize that, you know, there are many, many people that live in the same country I do that have very different feelings about our country and it's very different experiences in our living in our country and i feel like that's important to recognize because america is so diverse and the diversity is so is, is a strength of america that i think people are not recognizing as much as they used to yeah no that's a good point and like we should just say on the outset of this that we're two like white dudes from ohio right and so you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, but I think you and I both realize that we are privileged to be white, straight men in America where we do not have to worry about our our safety or people taking us seriously or suspecting us of being up to no good or, or thinking that they can take advantage of us for a variety of reasons because we're not female, a minority, or gay, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's something we we take for granted, and I think we don't even realize, like, day-to-day that, um, you know, you don't have to worry as much about, like, interactions with the police or, like, authority in general and just, like, your safety in these situations. And that was, that was a common theme throughout this book is that it really, you know, he talked about his childhood growing up and, like, into teenage life and adulthood and how it seemed like it really took so little for, like, um, you know, something really bad to happen for like 
you know, members of the black community. And we've seen that through like police interactions as well. So it's just, it's hard to really imagine living that way. And I think this book does a great job of like, you know, at giving that perspective. Right. Right. Yeah. Have you heard of Ta-Nehisi Coates or this book before? I had not. No. Um, yeah, definitely a unique sounding name. And I, I was intrigued by the premise. It's a definitely a good time to read, you know, this past few years especially i think it kind of reached a boiling point like um with trump's presidency and blm and all these things kind of converging um and just all these videos of like yeah like i said like police interactions gone horribly wrong and it's just like at a certain point it's like you know people aren't gonna take that anymore so right yeah right I mean, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, that's what mine is mind-blowing, is that there's been so much video evidence of police interactions with Black people going so wrong. Yeah, 100%. And it's like, yeah. imagine what was going on before things were able to be recorded, before everyone, like, had a cell phone. Like, you know, there, there's been this simmering, like, sentiment for decades. And, yeah, it's just, like, finally coming to light. So, right. yeah. I mean, so, so I mean, to get in the book, um, you know, one thing I, I appreciate about the book is that it is Ta-Nehisi Coates writing, like, a, le- a long letter to his son. And so did you listen to this one like you normally do? Yeah, yeah. I think he actually read it, too, which was cool. Oh, nice. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. But, like, there's not really chapters in this book. Right. There were, like, two chapters. There was, like, yeah. there was like a two two-part thing. Right. So, like, did you just have to listen to, like, a long chapter of, like, 40 minutes and just pause it along the way? Pretty much, yeah. But it was such you, a short I know you book. hate that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I like to stop at, like, chapters because <laughs> then I know where I stopped and began. But it is what it is. I mean, I, I describe this as, like, a long poem, basically. Like, it's sort of, like, not necessarily, like, what some people might think of as poetry, but it's told in this, like, poetic language. And that's kind of how I think of it. Oh. Absolutely. I think he's a great writer, too. That's mm-hmm. my another big takeaway for me is like he will, you know, so he's taught he writes this letter to his son about basically his personal black ex- experience of being black in America and how um, like he was always afraid for the safety of his body and that he fears for the safety of his son's body. And, like, he talks about that a lot, the, his body. Like, this America, he views America as being, American society is built to destroy the black body. And, you know, it took me a minute to get on board with that language, but then ultimately you realize that Coates is not really religious. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't, I don't know if he, does he say he's outright atheist in the book? I don't know if he says that. I don't think he, so. just, yeah. he just says that he doesn't always, like, when people were, grieving somebody at a funeral and praying to God. He just said that he didn't quite identify with that. And so, you know, him not having a specific deity that he believes in, I feel like he views the body and the soul as, as unique to the individual and one and the same. The body is the house of the soul or something like that. Um, and so that he, you know, which, you know, then if he so, if he believes that the soul is encapsulated in the body, then, the destruction of the body is the destruction of the soul, which is, you know, on an individual level, tragic. So, you know, I can see within you, you, you get a bigger picture then of like why he's so uh, um, uh, concerned about the destruction of his body, which anybody would be. 
Yeah, that's an interesting point. I didn't think about it like that. My, It was definitely a little jarring at first because he does say body like every few sentences, it seems like. Mm-hmm. But to me, I thought he was just like sort of asserting their dignity in a sense. Just like, you know, we are people like this is our bodies. And like we've been like, you know, our ancestors enslaved and like brought over and then like controlled by all these like laws and systems and that kind of thing. But it's just like asserting like this is our body like we have this this kind of inherent dignity yeah i like that too that's good too i mean so i feel like it works on multiple levels mm-hmm. and i and i feel like there's there's multiple occurrences where he he goes on in like very uh like you said poetic uh like or no i guess it, it would be prose technically you know very beautiful prose about his body and and the history of america and and the his life and his parents and and then like Howard University and all this stuff. So it 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 he's a he's definitely a great writer. But even though I, we would say it's like written poetically, it also has this like angry tone to it, which feels like very justified. And it's um and that, I think that what makes it powerful is that it feels kind of like raw emotion too. And he's like acknowledging these visceral kind of feelings and not trying to like sugarcoat anything. And he even talks about how he identifies more with, like, Malcolm X than Martin Luther King and just that type of mentality of, like, instead of sitting there and, like, getting pepper sprayed and practicing the nonviolence, like, your first reaction is just to, like, you know, assert your your dignity and, like, um, you know, how do you stand up to that kind of adversity? So that was interesting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, and, and he definitely goes through things chronologically, which I, I kind of enjoyed. Because he talks about, you know, him, his childhood, he, you know, he growing up with his parents and the streets of West Baltimore and going to school and like the streets were dangerous and you had to roll with, you know, you never walked certain streets alone or at this night or, or something like that. And, and how, the, you know, the streets were out to get you, but the school wasn't much better. Um, and how, like, yeah, I think you're right. He talked about, like, uh, how they learned about the civil rights movement and all those, uh, you know, civil disobedience and being peaceful when, you're right, he, he gravitated more towards Malcolm X. And he, he wanted to, he asked his parents for, like, I don't know, uh, give him guidance or advice about growing up in, in the streets and whatnot. And his dad just kind of turned into books. And then he read Malcolm X. He read other people and that just helped him grow and, and, and kind of form his opinion about the world and life. And, and then, then he went from there to like Howard university, which I like, he, he called the Mecca for like all the, all the, the, the black diaspora people that should, that go to Howard university, that he got to see all these different um, subcultures within the black American experience from you know, people from Africa or from other parts of the country that have different different lives growing up than what he did in Baltimore. Um, and I thought that was a cool, cool way of the way he talked about Howard University definitely sounds like he had a great time there, a great experience there and, and was formidable uh, to his uh, young adulthood. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. Like, um, I really enjoyed that section about him, like growing into that uh an adult you know through college and meeting all these different people and he even acknowledged that like 
you know, meeting like gay people for the first time and being brought up in an environment where like encountering a lot of like homophobic language and stuff. So like having to like process that and deal with that and reflect on his own experiences and, you know, just all these things that are part of like growing. Um, oh, yeah. But what, what you were saying about like, yeah, the conditions that he was raised in and grew up in, like I think about like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like whether or not, you know, you agree with that theory, it's basically like, you know, we all need like kind of basic survival and safety um, in order to kind of progress up this like hierarchy of, of like self-actualization, right? And it's like, I can't imagine living like, you know, with that anxiety day to day of just like, yeah, turning a corner and then being met with like violence and just, yeah, all these systems that are, are very tough to, um, you know, thrive in like day to day. Like when you think oh, yeah. about like housing, um, housing, education, like the environments, you know, the environmental conditions, like it really is a combination of things that are just, just seems so tough. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, a, I, and that's definitely something I always take it for granted about my, my childhood and being raised and whatnot. Was that base of the Maslow's hierarchy of need, that base of the pyramid was always taken care of. Like, I never had to worry about anything in that base or even like, I don't know what the, the section above it was even, but like, I feel like I had a lot of that taken care of too. So like, you're right. Like, I can't even fathom what it'd be like growing up and not having that safety and security. Yeah. And I think it's worth acknowledging too, that like, you know, it's not easy to not just be black in like these parts of the country, but it's not easy to be like, uh, you know, Latin American immigrant in certain parts of the country or like, Asian or like um you know in Appalachia like rural parts of the country are very poor and like struggle as well so I think a lot of people are struggling with their own hierarchy of needs and then for those people it's probably hard for them to like you know connect with this this cause or causes outside of their own like um you know their own life that they see day to day because they're just trying to get by themselves so like for us who live pretty comfortable lives it's we're probably higher up in that hierarchy that we can like afford mentally to like care about other things too if that makes sense you know not to justify like caring or not caring about like a social cause but just to say it's just to say like people have natural priorities based on like you know their day-to-day lives right right um and i think this book does a good job of of highlighting uh not just you know coats at a personal level but he goes on uh, you know, to 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 highlight that across the board. Across the board, in in what sense? Well, like he talks about, um, he talks a lot about the dreamers as well, and and in the book, he the dreamers um, are the people that think they're white because he talks about race being basically uh, 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 artificial boundary that we draw to separate us and them um and people who think they're white are the dreamers and they they think they can they you know are living in their uh, suburbs with their you know barbecues in the backyard and and their their two-car garage and like the white picket fence and all this like standard suburban stuff and they think, you know, like everybody can achieve this. All you have to do is work hard. And, and you know, this is America and everyone's equal and whatnot. When really they're, they're living a fantasy because um, 
there's still so much discrepancy between uh, the, the variety of uh, experiences that everyday Americans live. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of, like, people, you know, to use a baseball analogy, like, born on second and third, <laughs> born right. on... Uh, you know, home plate. Um, and even I, you know, how I was saying, like, it doesn't take much for things to, like just to go south for families. Like, you know, I'm sure you've heard stories or like seen people experience like tumultuous times and in, in growing into an adult, like in their teenage years. And I feel like that's when a lot of people are the most vulnerable wherever their life path is going. And a lot of people, like, I think, you know, get passes and get help and have a support system. But like, for like people like in the black community who are already like in a certain place, maybe like don't have that luxury. So that's something oh, thing sure. worth thinking about. If they have one little slip up, it can, it can really set them on a course that is detrimental to the, to the rest of their life. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if the evolution of canceling, you know, cancel culture has sort of become a evolution in a sense, like retaliation to that phenomenon too. Cause it's like the reverse where it's like, you someone on the other side could say something and it could even be something like taking out of context and then that just like then it, they get fired from their job and like they you know it kind of destroys their lives too like you know that's sort of yeah so like so canceling is in a sense the people trying to level the playing field yeah i don't know if i want to phrase i don't know how to phrase it i'm sure it's mm-hmm. like <laughs> landline territory but yeah um, it's it's i just mean it more with the sense of like thinking about these concepts of power and people in power being comfortable for too long and just feeling like they can say whatever they want and get away with whatever they want and then it's like people on the other side saying you know we're not going to stand for that anymore like if this is who you are we're going to expose it to the world and you shouldn't feel safe to like say those things publicly so that's that's more how i want to phrase it like it's inverting that power structure where people who don't are in positions of power can collectively like come together and, and I'm not advocating for cancel culture, but I feel like that kind of helps frame why it came to be. Right. That's, that's an interesting point. Yeah. I think, I think you bring up a good point. It is about the, the difference in power. People want to hold people accountable because they feel like they can get away with stuff. Right. Right. But you know, like, if someone makes a mistake and is genuinely sorry and something was taken out of context, like I'm not advocating like ruin their lives too, but it's like, (laughs) you know, if you're generally a bad person, like you need to change. And sometimes you need to like face the consequences of like, you know, thinking harmful things about people. I don't know. I don't really have a strong opinion about anything. So please (laughs) don't, don't think anything about what I'm saying. I don't have a strong opinion about anything. So please don't, don't hurt me. If I don't hurt me, internet. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Like Brian, think about the point of this podcast, like the ratio of like benefit versus like, (laughs) like, cancel opportunity it's way out of whack (laughs) you don't think our dozens and dozens of listeners will appreciate our conversation i think they will and that we're honest about it i know i mean like like yeah what are the benefits of this podcast thing okay i will say we have one review and it's one star no (laughs) way we do it's because 
she this person thought that uh we like didn't know a character's name from where the crawdads sing and so they gave us one star and i listened to it and because they were like oh they don't know who chase is he's like a main character i was like really i'm pretty sure we did and it's just because like I didn't recall someone's last name right away. It wasn't even the same character. And they gave us one star. I was like, can you appeal? <laughs> it's like our one rating. So annoying. Anyway. Hey, I say, I say accept it, Tim. We're one yeah. star podcast. At least we're yeah, getting noticed. Okay. Yeah, but that's a <laughs> sidetrack. Sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. But no, I mean, you're right. Anytime you put something out online, you're, you're, you're running the risk of like, people basically shitting on it and and that's you know the nature of the thing of internet right now i mean and and you know i think do you think the fact that we're two white guys increases the chance that we might get shit on more often or i mean yeah i mean the internet's so big and there's people who feel like they can say anything that they're gonna like be an asshole regardless i feel like you know like and you know regardless of what people think about us, I feel like we're just generally trying to have a real conversation about like controversial, but important topics. So like, I feel like unless, I don't know, unless you're a jerk, you're not going to react too strongly to this anyway. Like, yeah. 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 I mean, I feel, I feel like at at times I do feel like, like, are we, we're not narcissistic enough to feel like our voices actually matter and that we, people need to listen to what we say. This is just basically two friends who like to want to both read more books and just like talking to each other about said books, you know? Yeah. Every podcaster to some extent is probably narcissist, but I think we do do this more to uh, stay in touch more than anything, (laughs) or at least like, you know, it's an excuse to hang out every so often and see and and read more books too. Cause like I wouldn't read half as many books. Yeah. But, but, do you read any side book at all? I always have ambitions too, but it's always thwarted by life and uh, my need for entertainment fast and now. <laughs> so, what about you? Yeah. Are you? Yeah, I try. To, I try to always have one book on the side that I'm reading in parallel with our book club books. So you got a side book yeah. you're cheating on our main book with? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually. But I, I definitely genuinely enjoy reading the books that we choose and discussing them. Yeah. I think I think this book was um, was a good read. Yeah, you know, Coates is a great author. Um, it helped me helped enlighten me more about the black experience in America, which I think is always valuable to learn about how other people live in this country, in this great country. I genuinely like living in America. I feel like America has been kind of going through the ringer these last six years. Um, and I hope for better times ahead. But I'm still glad I'm here. I'm still glad I'm an American. But I also realize that, like, there's plenty of reasons to kind of not be glad you're an American. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of hard to feel proud when there are all these things going on. And, like, more recently, like, just with guns and mass shootings and that kind of thing, like, things are... I don't know, sort of reaching a boiling point there as well. And that's another thing where it's like, well, people have opinions on both sides, and I'm not saying I know anything about it, but it's just like, you know, we can't have all these mass shootings every week. Like, that's not that's not good. So I think yeah. 
let's agree on that at least. Um, yeah. But yeah, to tie it back to the book, like I think, I think it is uh, interesting. He mentioned how like, you know, despite all this adversity, they've uh, like the black community has managed to develop its own kind of tribe and culture. And like when you think about like the entertainment and pop culture uh, areas, like they're very like overrepresented. I would say like with so many talented people and like sports and uh, movies and singing, like it's very very cool to see like these icons emerge. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So so yeah. Um. Did you so you didn't know anything about this book going into it? No. Nothing. Okay. And and what do you think overall? Yeah, overall impression, I really liked it. I think it's important, and I, like I said earlier, like, it's just, like, he's conveying his raw emotion, and it's not for everyone. Like, if, if you're not that type of person who could, like, read a poem, then it you might not be into it, because <laughs> it is kind of, like, long. It's not, like, really abstract poetry, but it's told in that poetic way, like I said, like the prose. Um, so I, I enjoyed it, but not for everyone at the same time. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Right. I feel like it be a book that more people read than maybe you think um but um i think you know you need to go know going into it that yeah he's gonna he's kind of winding at times but like i feel like you gotta go along with it and then what i felt like was the most powerful part of the book was his friend from howard or i think from howard university was his friend named prince jones and how everybody liked prince and he was a religious guy and very nice and and um friendly to everybody but then he was eventually shot by the police and killed and that was a huge had a huge impact on Coates in his life um and then i thought the most powerful part for me was at the end of the book when the author goes and see and meets with prince prince jones's mother and talks to her and her experience about uh, raising a black boy in america and then seeing him become go to college and become an adult, but then eventually get shot down by the police. And I felt like that whole section was very powerful and gripping. I, you know, like I got to the last third of the book and just flew through it. Um, yeah, Dr. Jones, uh, his mother, um, grew up in the South and made, and, and bought her way through college and became, I think a radiologist or some other, something like that. And just, her success was was um, really against all odds, and then still to have her son get shot by police, it just seems like it just happens to it can happen to any black person, really. It's 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 not just you know people who are caught up in drugs or caught up in the in with bad company. It could it could really be any black person gets to get shot by police in this country, and, and, and it's really sad and unfortunate. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because his mom worked so hard to get to where she was and to provide that like quality of life that he could have those opportunities and like and there's a long passage about all the things that like was invested in this this kid basically and like you know just to have that taken away uh is just yeah hard it's hard to imagine what what it's like to go through that and for her to not hold on to the anger but you know it's like how much can people take when they when that is not uncommon of a thing to happen and then Coates is a, is interviewing this woman who lost her adult son to police violence at the same time he is raising a, a you know a, a son of his own 
And I feel like that that connection he makes is very powerful and, and one that I know I will never, even if I have a son someday, I will never um, fully understand what Coates and Dr. Jones go through when raising a, a black boy in America. I mean, I am, and if I'm honest with myself, I'm glad I don't have to worry about that, you know? Not because I, I'm not anything against black people, it's just because like, it's just, it's just another, um, it's just a whole another experience of, it's the, it's the black experiences in, in America is definitely one that is messed up. It's not fair. And it's, I don't know, it's just, it's something needs to change. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, you know, it definitely depends a lot where you were raised and brought up, like, you know, the local level, then the city, then the state, and <laughs> obviously the country. It was actually really interesting, I thought, when he talked about going to France and just, like, how his skin color wasn't as, like, a, a defining of a characteristic there because I think they've got a lot of, like, immigrants from other countries, too. And and he just talked about how it was really, like, interesting to live this lifestyle where he didn't have to worry about, like, violence street to street, and he saw kids kind of, like, having fun, like teenagers, and... um he was like, wow, like, I can't imagine what it's like to, like, basically have that lifestyle growing up, you know. Excellent point. Yeah, he, he travels to France with the whole family. And, and you know, he, he, I think he talks a little bit about, like, how he's trying to give his son this other uh, worldview or experience that he never knew existed growing up in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And, and it's in, yeah, that, that there, that America is definitely not how the rest of the world operates right basically you and i both acknowledge that we have been fortunate enough to live privileged lives where we feel we grew up in a safe and loving home and because of the color of our skin no one thought of us as threatening or anything negative like that so it's it's difficult to on one hand, recognize that privilege, and on the other hand, recognize that other people don't have that privilege, and there's nothing really we did to um, gain that privilege, and there's nothing we did to prevent other people from having that privilege. But that is built into the, ingrained in American culture, and that is the way it is for good and for bad, and hopefully, things will improve in the future. Yeah, that's well said. I agree with that. And, uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, I think a lot of people are struggling across the board in the country, in the world, and just trying to get that base level Maslow uh, mm-hmm. safety, security needs. But as that grows and expands, we need to, like, strive towards a better, you know, a better country where there's less violence and more understanding. I sound like John Lennon, Amen. like a knockoff, <laughs> shitty version. <laughs> Sorry about that. Peace no, and love. <laughs> yeah, peace and love, man. That's all you need. Yeah. No, that's good. I mean, yeah, I, I felt like, you know, it, it was a pretty basic book. I mean, like, I don't feel like, you know, there's not, there's not really anything we missed or anything more to discuss. I feel like I was definitely glad I read it. I recommend it to other people who are interested. Like, I read some, 
I read it, uh, How to Be Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi, too. Mm. And that was good. I, I enjoyed reading that as well. But I, I liked this one better because I felt like this was a little more personal, um, which I think made it more emotional. Especially, like I said, with talking about Prince Jones and how he died and then talking to his mother. Whereas Kendi's book, How to Be Anti-Racist, was more of more of like a how-to step, you know, like he talked about his own personal life very much, which I enjoyed. Then at times he talked about like how, how to do this or how to do that, you know, and, and you know, which was good, 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 um, worthy, worthy attempts to, to try to uh, enlighten people on how to be anti-racist. But I felt like Coates' book, Between the World and Me, is just a little more personal, a little more, to, to me, just a little more touching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very personal, uh, and I would recommend it to people for sure. I think, yeah. like I said, the the way it's told might not connect with everyone, just because it's like more of that poetic side. But that's what makes it powerful, and like that's, you know, uh, everyone who thinks they might be in it should should read it. I, I think everyone should try to read this. Yeah. Yeah. All ready, right, ready? time. Yeah, yeah. man. Like you want to go first or should I? Yeah. All right. I'll, you know, yeah, I feel like I usually make you go first, so I'll go first. Um, right. <laughs> uh, I I was between four and a five on this one, um, and I think I'm gonna give it a five. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was four for a long time, but then towards the end of it, when it was wrapping up, and just the way he reflected on like his college experience and like again going to France and like the way he was articulating everything and just being very like upfront with how he was feeling even though it's like you know he's admitting that he's like has gotten emotional about these things and like he did and like i think you know rightfully so and just yeah the way he weaved everything together i think is just very powerful so it's uh it's five caliber and it's not too long so <laughs> you know i like when others don't go on unnecessarily i yeah. feel like he yeah job compacting everything yeah it's like 150 pages right yeah Perfect amount. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it's right up Tim's alley. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. I think I, I think I'm gonna pick a long book next just to make up for it. <laughs> just you should pick a picture book like a graphic novel or something. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. So I'm gonna rate it a four. I okay. really liked it. That was really good. But for me, it just like yeah, I just it just. It, I don't know. I don't feel like I, I should give. I should knock it a four. It's a perfectly good rating. It's a great book. I would recommend it to people. Um, yeah. So, but for me, it's just not quite five level. Just, just I don't know. Just can't quite do it. Yeah. But, yeah. No, that's fair. I mean, I was definitely between four and a five. Could go either way, but still great. But you're right. Great like, pick. I, I felt like I felt like it. It like to me, it just started out a little weak. But it just kept getting stronger from there. It just kept getting stronger. I felt like the whole book, as it, as you got going into it, you 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 just you, you were more along with what he was saying. You, you it flowed better, and and the books end about talking to Dr. Jones, and then even touching on like this uh, backlash to critical race theory that's that's been going on in the country too. I mean, like I feel like Coates is just so observant in. American society and the difference between the American experience between the races that I feel like um, 
everybody would should get, would get something from this book. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard because it's such a like hard subject. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It is, and and that's the th- that's the thing. It's like sometimes you have to read uncomfortable things. You have right. to think about uncomfortable topics. Yeah, you need to confront experiences and expose yourself to things that are not, you know, something you're familiar with and might not be like, you know, easy to read or learn about, but it's still important. Yeah. Right. So important. So, yeah. Yeah. Hope, hope uh, as a country we can come together like the Beatles and John Lennon might say. <laughs> nice. Yes. I like it. I like it. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, hey, so what are we reading next time, Tim? Uh, I actually forget. I'm gonna check. I think it's another short one. Year old, hundred year old person. Yeah, that one hundred year old man who climbed out the window and disappeared by Jonas Jonasson. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that'll be a. I think it's kind of a lighthearted one. Probably a good change yeah. of pace here. I, I think I think you're right. I think we need a lighthearted one after this one. Yeah. And uh, hopefully people enjoy this, or we don't yeah. get any more one-star reviews. <laughs> we knew all the characters in this book. Yeah, right. <laughs> so. Well, hey, yes, go to go to twoguysonebook.com, all written out, all spelled out, twoguysonebook.com, and give us more uh, one-star reviews. Bring them on, <laughs> is what I say, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just don't cancel us. And so, yeah. And then tell us what you think about other books that we have upcoming that we're reading next and uh give us some recommendations for what we should read after that so until so next then. time oh shoot <laughs> i no, said you're right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah sorry until you, next you, time keep reading